everyone. This podcast is brought to you by Global Shop Solutions ERP Software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Weeks of VA Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, and yes, it has been a, a little while. I honestly couldn't tell you how long because uh, I'm bad at math and time is non-existent. Um, but, you know, that's how it goes. Uh, we had a blast covering the draft and, and, and getting things set up for the 2022 draft, and now it's over. And, <clears throat> you know, for guys like us who put so much work and time into it you kind of have a little bit of like a like a small period of time where you're just like well now what and that's kind of that's kind of what we were doing uh and we're back now and uh this will probably just be a kind of a one-off i don't know when we're gonna post another episode but we wanted to give you guys a little update with where we're at where the pod is going and also talk about the draft that that did happen so potential uh developmental context we're into and all that stuff i'm joined as always by the great cooper klein the one crystal hansen freshly back from summer league uh, Coop is a little sick, but that's all right. Uh, we're still thriving. Uh, Coop Stone, my friends, how you doing? Doing, doing well. Um, had a blast at Summer League, still recovering, uh, as I'm sure Cooper is. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun and excited to be back recording with you guys uh, and just happy to talk about the draft and um, get mad about the Lakers. Yeah, um, uh, you can tell I'm a little bit sick sounding, but I'm I'm excited to be back. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing I miss more than than recording with you guys. I'm sitting here trying to find this stupid Devin Booker picture. Oh, I found it. Okay, uh, but uh, <laughs> here to talk about some of the best drafts, the worst drafts, the the most mid drafts. Um, and after watching copious amounts of basketball for six days in a row. Uh, there's nothing more that I want to do. So let's hop right in. Absolutely. And and like I mentioned, we'll get to sort of the update stuff later for now. Let's just talk about the draft that happened. Uh, we've kind of picked out, <laughs> what, 15 teams that we think had the most interesting drafts. Now, of course, we were trying to narrow it down and keep it as short as possible. And we ended up coming, with, coming up with half the league that we thought was interesting enough to talk about. Um, but we kind of broke it down into winners, kind of questionable ones and losers obviously that's a little harsh we'll kind of give takes maybe back and forth either way but uh let's start with the winners let's start positive 2022 nba draft was really up and down we were live for the whole thing there was some some real uh hilarity that ensued uh we had a blast on that night and uh i think just even leaving the draft you know after the 58th pick was in we kind of sat there for a minute and talked we had all agreed that we thought the winners, the true winners, were the Detroit Pistons. Uh, Stone, I want to throw this to you. Uh, you know, the Pistons obviously got Jaden Ivey at five and then swung a trade, basically more or less Jeremy Grant for the 13th pick, which they used to take Jalen Duran. If you could stop laughing, Stone, uh, how'd you feel about the Pistons draft strategy as a whole? I mean, I think this was the clear cut winner of the draft. Like, I, don't, I think they're sort of in a tier of their own. Um, I wasn't the biggest Ivy fan going into the draft, but leaving the draft, I was a much bigger fan of Ivy because I think this is the ideal context for him, um, sort of putting him next to this uh, really great um, primary guy that's more, a little bit more heliocentric sort of guy with Cade. And then you have Ivy more relegated to um, not having to be in this creator role and just more focused on the scoring aspect, which is what I think he's best at. I think is is the best for him, and that significantly makes me more in on him than I was uh, going into the draft. Um, I also loved the the move for Duran uh, because I think that uh, for me personally, it was like far and away the best non Chet slash Paolo center in this draft, um, and I think that he uh, was just the clear cut guy to to really anchor their center position. Um, I know a lot of people like Stewart. He's a fine backup, I think, but but Duran is, is a far superior prospect, in my opinion, and being able to snag two guys that can sort of um, anchor your positions moving forward alongside Cade um, and however you perceive Sadiq Bay is, I think, a, a, a huge win for them. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to get too much into offseason stuff, but I don't like what they did after drafting Duran um, because now you have way too many centers in that, in that rotation, and we'll see how his – rookie season sort of goes, but um, I think that 
overall, just the draft aspect of it, the Pistons came away the, the clear and away far winners in this. Yeah, I think it was a pretty great asset management on their end uh, to come away with two guys that I thought, uh, you know, both could have been drafted at five uh, to come away with both of them for pretty cheap. Um, you know, Ivy as a, as a fit on this roster, as a guy who can maybe run some second units and see if that's something that's viable for the future. Uh, but, you know, mainly just having him as that secondary next to Kate is super interesting. And then Duran filling that, uh, what's his, uh, the Marvin Bagley, but not an absolute traffic cone on defense role. Just awesome for them. Uh, just basically a, a duo of perfect fit and perfect talent that they were able to get for cheap. And that's exactly what young teams like the Pistons should be trying to do in the draft. And I'm, I'm really, really excited to watch them next year. Yeah, uh, I don't have a ton to add other than that. I think um, when it comes to understanding that you have your star in Kate Cunningham and building a team around that star, this was the best draft you could have. Um, you get an uber athlete scorer who does provide rim pressure. Like Kate can get to the rim, but he's not that instant rim pressure guy that Ivy is. Um, you give him a lob threat who can be potentially a defensive anchor. Um, you keep your uh, the potential upside as maybe a switching team. If you want to do that, you could run traditional pick and roll stuff. You increase this team's overall versatility on both ends. And I think that's huge. Um, the next winner we picked were the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, the Hawks, of course, got, I think, who we consider, at least on my board, the biggest deal of the draft, uh, not numerically, but in terms of tiers. Uh, AJ Griffin at 16. And they also picked Tyrese Martin, who I, I'm not a Tyrese Martin guy. I don't think he's really an NBA player, but, um, you know, that was pick 51 or something like that. So it doesn't really make a huge difference. AJ Griffin is the real sell here. Uh, you know, they ended up moving on from Kevin Herter, which again, we're not, this isn't an off season pod, but I think your hope from AJ Griffin is that he can provide a lot of what you got from, uh, what you got from Herter, but better, bigger, uh, I mean, he's Adrian Griffin is one of the best shooting prospects of all time, in my opinion. Um, and he was, he's just huge. He's gigantic. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I love this pick. Coop, how do you feel about uh, the Hawks getting uh, AJ Griffin? I, I mean, the thing that you want more than anything around a small guard, uh, who's your primary and Trey Young, uh, is big shooters, especially uh, big shooters that can attack closeouts pretty well. And AJ can do a little bit of self-creation as well, uh, which allows him to play with or without Trey. Uh, I think the hope is that you can start him off slow, but then, you know, as time goes by, you can give him more reps, see if he's really able to develop into that second or, or third star next to Trey. Um, just the perfect pick for a team that's in kind of a weird spot where they're trying to go younger, but then also still trying to maintain, uh, you know, being a team that's solid. And I think that AJ fits any timeline that they decide to go perfectly because he can scale back and just be, oh, look, it's a 45% three-point shooter or, oh, we're going to go a bit younger and he's going to get a ton of minutes and a ton of reps and some self-creation stuff. And, uh, you know, just an awesome athlete. I had him at number three in a tier of his own. Uh, just great value here. I can't really go wrong with an AJ Griffin pick, especially uh, – like outside of the lottery, just a massive, massive steal. Uh, he's going to be awesome on the Hawks. Yeah. Stone, do you got anything? Uh, I mean, not much else. Like it's just numerically like great value from where I had him on my board at three to get him at 16, I believe. And um, I, I mean, the Hawks have a ton of guys at this point. So, you know, hopefully, uh, AJ Griffin can sort of establish himself eventually as as more of a one of the starting wings on that team um, and and play really well. Uh, the shooting will be insane with him and Trey, uh, the spacing there, and you know um, with the guys that they have in front of him, they probably work him in a little bit slower than other teams may may have. But uh, you know, hopefully this turns out well for him and he he's really successful in in Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next we had in our, our series of winners, um, the Orlando Magic, who, of course, got Paolo Bencaro at number one. He was the top guy on my board. I thought he was the best player in this draft and specifically the best guy the Magic could have left with. Um, and then they also got Caleb Houston at 32, 
which was a steal for me. I had Houston at 17, I believe, 17 or 18. Uh, and I had him as a true first rounder and they got him in the second round. I think that's a massive steal. He can do a lot of things. Uh, Coop, how'd you feel about the magic draft and, and overall, how'd you feel about kind of their strategy with this draft too? Well, you know, personally, I'm, I'm pretty upset with the magic draft um, for, for no reason whatsoever. Uh, but I, for the magic themselves, I think coming away with a power being on Caleb Houston, just more wings forwards, who can really do stuff. I mean, Paolo, I, I think I've been talking about it since the last draft ended and I started watching Paolo. Uh, just a guy who can be like that real centerpiece with all of uh, Orlando's weird connectory prospects is just awesome, right? Like they have so many like Franz and Suggs, just guys who need that centerpiece to make them like he just brings the entire team together that he optimizes them. They all optimize him uh, and his passing is going to, it's going to really open stuff up for them. And then Caleb Houston, just another different wing forward type who can do stuff that other guys don't really do on the roster. Uh, the kind of role player who can come in and go off on a random night and with real spacing, he's going to look a lot better than uh, he did at the college level where he played with, a bunch of kids who, who a bunch of kids who, who can't really space the floor. Uh, the defense is good. Doesn't need to play a ton, but can really shoot. Uh, and I'm just, you know, build the boat out of wings and forwards and, and see what you can do. And Orlando's really, you know, taken that uh, to heart and I'm really excited to, to see how it goes for them. Yeah. Um, it, it was, uh, I mean, a successful draft for them, I think like, like Paolo Franz, and uh, Wendell is just such an awesome front court for any team. Uh, there's a lot of versatility and dynamicism within that trio. Uh, then you add in the plethora of guards they have, and this is just such a fun young team. Um, I mean, I think, again, I probably would have leaned Chet at number one, but I think a win for them is taking either one of Chet or Paolo, um, as long as it wasn't Jabari, and I think they made the right choice by taking Pella number one. Um, so uh, I was really in on that pick. Houston was okay. Um, I don't dislike the pick at 32. Uh, that's about right where I had him, I think, on my board. Um, I think it's fine value, and uh, with this team, it it's totally fine. Uh, I think that he is, you know, probably going to hopefully take over, like, more of that Terrence Ross role um, and, and be more of the off-the-bench uh, wing uh, and hopefully an improvement. And I think that um, he does two things pretty well. And on that roster, surrounding him with the guys that they have, I think that optimizes him. So I think overall it was a pretty solid win for the for the Magic as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's do these last two teams together because I think uh, maybe they'll go a little quicker. Um, one team is the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks, the the main guy they took is um, they took Marjan Bochamp at 24. They also took uh, Hugo Basson with the last pick in the draft, which uh, I know some of us are a fan of. I, I could take it or leave it, but I, th- I think that's fine value at 58. Um, but Bochamp, awesome fit, awesome developmental piece. Something I've talked about with teams that are good when we did our 30 teams in 30 days uh, uh, or that series in those pods was that these teams that are good, they have to hit on these late picks. They have to get guys who can develop into contributors because you can't afford to just constantly pay these guys. Um, and and someone like Marjon, I think, can step in and play at some point. And then the Pacers, uh, they took Matherin at six, which I wasn't huge on. I don't think that's horrible, but um, I, I don't. I, I think that's a fine pick. In, uh, uh, Andrew Nemhard, I almost said Ryan Nemhard, uh, who's his little brother. Andrew Nemhard at 31, uh, good, solid value. I think he is a, a fine bet to be a backup point guard and with the potential kind of to maybe start if things really click. And then the, the real kind of self of this draft for me, Kendall Brown at 48. Um, I don't know if there's been contract details about what contract he's signing, but I hope they sign him to a full rookie contract and really value him. Uh, we'll see how that goes. 48, the number 48 pick rarely gets that type of contract. I just think last year, the number 48 pick was Sharif Cooper, uh, which is kind of funny. Those are two guys who a lot of people include, you know, I had Kendall Brown top 10. I didn't have Sharif top 10, but uh, who draft Twitter was pretty high on that fell uh, very, very far. 
Um, so yeah, those are kind of two interesting drafts. Uh, Coop, how do you feel about the Pacers draft as a whole? Uh, well, I mean, the uh, their first pick of, of Matherin, just solid. Um, not my favorite, uh, you know, not the best ball handler, but just a rim pressure guy who you can put next to Hallie, uh, who can also do a little bit of self-creation and off-ball movement, offensive rebounding. I think that's a fun interesting duo i'm not i'm not sure exactly how it'll work i think they're both young enough to where you you play around with it and just the amount of on and off ball shooting that you get from those two is bonkers uh you know you get someone in uh in nemhard who can be a point guard or a connectory type role not my favorite value wise considering who is left on the board but just a fine fit with most teams uh can do a bunch of different stuff can hopefully actually shoot the ball uh, but I mean, like you said, Kendall Brown, hopefully he ends up getting an actual deal because this was value wise, probably the, the best pick of the draft. It's him or AJ. Uh, but I mean, I think I had him at eight on my board. Yeah. I had him at eight on my board, uh, getting him at 48, uh, just someone who can really run the floor has a super high feel for the game can really pass the ball can really finish on the inside. Uh, he looked great in transition uh, at summer league. Uh, that was nice because he wasn't allowed to do that at all. You know, with Baylor, they would only let a Kinjo dribble the ball up. And uh, it was nice to see him actually get some reps doing that. Uh, handle looks even worse than we thought, but it's okay. Uh, still have some belief there and, and hopefully he'll get the chance and, you know, a real shot to develop with Indiana that uh, he deserves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Stone, if you have anything on the on the Pacers draft, go ahead. If not, how'd you feel about the Bucks draft? Yeah, uh, I mean, just real quickly on the Pacers, like I loved Mather and I thought that was an awesome pick. And I had a Kendall Brown, not quite as high as you guys, but still very, uh, I think, top 20 still. So that was really good value, too. Um, wasn't a huge fan of the Nemhard pick. Uh, I think that there's just much better value available at 31 and um, just generally against using picks even in the high second on on super replaceable backup point guards but um overall i think it was a solid draft for them uh the bucks uh, i loved it i i think i had margin around top 20 as well um and i think i had basan still as a first rounder um so getting him at 58 was awesome i think marjan uh just gives them more wings uh with more size because right now i think they have like grayson allen and i think Marjan is a decent bet to maybe take over that role as a starting shooting guard. We'll see. Um, we'll see what happened with Nora too. I think he's still a restricted free agent, but um, just adding to that sort of that plethora on the wings um, after losing DiVincenzo, I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, and he's someone that it, to me comes across as pretty scalable um, and on a team uh, where you're dealing with injuries here and there um, as this team ages with Middleton and uh, Holiday, uh, I think that that is just really good processing for them. Uh, and then Basan, I think there's a real chance he actually like gets a role on this team at some point uh, because there's just not very many point guards after Holiday. Um, and I think Basan fills uh, the role of backup point guard pretty well. Um, so you know, hopefully that pans out for him as well. Uh, I think overall, just a really solid solid draft for them yeah uh that kind of wraps up those are the five teams we saw as like strong winners um some of that is dependent on contract stuff i'm i always get lower on a team's draft if they give like a second round pick i liked like a like a you know a, a non-guaranteed or a or a two-way or something like i think about the nets last year i loved their draft but then they let zagorowski and raekwon gray not even sign contracts well okay i guess i don't love their draft anymore I mean, I still, it was still Kessler Edwards, who I had top 15, but, you know, nonetheless. Uh, moving on to drafts, we're a little more conflicted on that. I don't have a strong positive or negative on most of these, but it's more, I, I think they're interesting and worth uh, discussing. We wanted to hit on them. Uh, I'm actually, I want to start with the OKC Thunder. Uh, Chet at two was the obvious pick. We're all in agreement that was the right pick. And when we look back on this draft, I think we'll look back on it as a very positive draft, I in my opinion, because um, they also got... Uh, Santa Clara, Jalen Williams, uh, J-Dub, as he goes by to make it a little easier to distinguish the, the Jalen Williamses. 
Um, they got J-Dub at 12. Uh, and they got the other Jalen Williams at 34. Uh, and then they kind of got the one that I think really has a scratching their head is Usman Jang at 11. Uh, they could have got Adrian Griffin. They could have got Jalen Duran. Guys, we were much higher on. Um, even Marjago Champ, I would have preferred. But uh, it's it's less even that they drafted Usman. And I think more sort of a, a thought from all of us that we kind of don't know what they're doing. Uh, you know, Jalen Williams feels very uh, – 34th pick Jalen Williams feels very redundant with Jeremiah Robinson Earl or, uh, you know, Isaiah Roby's gone now. But kind of with that type of guy, they re-signed Mike Muscala. I mean, so the, it's kind of like, okay, so what are they doing there? We all like J-Dub. I think he's the best off-ball mover on this team now. Um, but it's just, you know, with Usman, it's like, where are his touches coming from? If you're developing him into an off-ball player, I don't think it's going to work. Like, why did you take that guy at 11 then? Because that's not really where his skill set lies. Um, I think there's just a general overall question as to what the Thunder are doing in their, uh, I don't want to say desperation, but in their desire to, tank towards the bottom for one more year and hopefully end up with Victor Wembanyama. Coop, what did you think of the Thunder's draft as a whole and, and their strategy moving forward? I just think their process is weird. Uh, I mean, I get like the big idea of just draft high field players. Uh, like they, but when you actually dig into their skill sets, it just doesn't really make much sense because all the guys they're drafting have, like fill very similar niches. Uh, like, I mean, Chet, great pick, loved it. But then, like you said, Jang and, and Jalen Williams, uh, you know, both trying to fill sort of an off ball guard who can do a little bit of pick and roll reps. Uh, but then where, like, is Jang just going to go down to the G League for ever? And then Jalen Williams is going to play with the main team, but you traded three first round picks for Usman Jang. Uh, and then how much structure is he going to get in the G League? Uh, you know, not super sold about that. Um, and then, I mean, I like the idea of all these passing bigs and wings and forwards next to big guards. Uh, but that's when that's literally all you have on the roster. Uh, I just, I don't really understand what they're going for. It's kind of funky. And I guess it makes a, a lot more sense if they have a, a Wembenyama and they're kind of trying to do just to, you know, put the surrounding infrastructure around them. But, uh, it's just a goofy, goofy draft. Uh, like this is one of the few spots that I don't like for Jalen Williams, because I'm not sure how much of a niche he'll be able to carve out for himself. I mean, the Arkansas Jalen will, Jay will, not J-Dub. This is so fucking confusing, man. Oh, my God. Why'd they have to draft both? Um, got a sick meme out of it, but it's going to ruin my life a few times. Uh, this is one of the few teams I don't like for Jay will because it's going to be hard for him to carve out a niche. Um, you know, someone I had near Lotto or in my late Lotto. Um and I mean, I think he deserves time. I think he's one of their best bigs, but he's going to be losing time to all these guys that are already more established, already, you know, older, been on the roster longer. Uh, and it just sucks because there's a lot of guys on this team and they're just going to have to start cutting them like they did with Roby or trading him away for nothing. Uh, just sucks to see the, the weird management of this OKC roster. Yeah, and I, I think it conflicts uh, nicely with the Memphis Grizzlies, who we'll talk about in a minute. Um, before we do, Stone, how do you feel about kind of the Thunder's draft and their strategy as a whole? Uh, I'm, I'm very conflicted, actually. I think I've come around on it more since draft night. Um, and I could honestly, like, I feel like we could do a whole episode on the Thunder and their strategy, but I'll try and keep it shorter. Um, but I think that so I really liked, obviously, the Chet and both the Jalen Williams picks. I think those are three, like, home run picks. Um, so from just taking, like, the best players available, um, that's, like, really good processing, I guess. Uh, didn't love the Jiang pick, but obviously um, they must have because they traded a lot of draft capital for him. So I don't mind the actual process of it because if it's a guy that they had as a top – five six talent on their board and they traded up to get him at 12 um it makes sense even if i disagree um but 
overall, I think it's for them, it seems to be just take the best talent in each draft that's available and then um, try and convince Shade to tank for one final year and get Wimbanyama. And in that broader sense, that broader picture, I don't mind that strategy because I think you're left with a lot of really great young talent um, and cornerstones with Shea, Giddy, Chet, and Wemby, theoretically. Um, that makes a lot of sense moving forward. Um, my biggest issue is that they have a lot of really good young talent and not a lot of minutes for every guy that deserves it. Um, personally, I think their best bet would be to try and consolidate and move like Poku and, and Baisley or something. Um, you also have Dort there still. Uh, there's just a lot of guys that I think, I mean, I, I don't know which way they're going to go with them. Um, there's so many guys that deserve minutes and should be in lineups that are not going to get them. Uh, Trey Mann's going to probably get pushed out now. Uh, I don't know. I it, It's confusing in that sense, but Again, in the broader picture, I think that's probably what's more important is trying to keep that core four of, of Shea, Giddy, Chet, and Wemby. And if that's what you're really going for, um, I don't hate it. So I, I think I'm more optimistic on it than I was when it actually happened on draft night. Yeah, I think it's the type of thing we could look back on and, and be like, it looks better in hindsight than it does right now. But I also think there's a there's real downside here because uh, if none of these guys hit their hit their ceiling, then you're kind of uh, you're kind of grasping at straws. I feel like, or if you're just a little too good next year, but you still don't have a budding superstar, you know, kind of then then what? Um, I I hope I I hope it ends up being like like Shay Poku Giddy Chet Jada. Like I hope that's kind of like the core five that's on the roster now, but we'll see how it goes. Um, another team we're conflicted on a little bit. I think we're all more positive on this draft. The Memphis Grizzlies, uh, the Grizzlies drafted Jake LaRavia at 19. They drafted David Roddy at 23. And then they drafted, um, they drafted Fitz Williams Jr. at 47. Uh, three forwards who I think we were all fairly high on. Roddy is the one that maybe seems like the most like a reach on our boards but I have LaRavia at 16, I think. So good value there. Uh, I was very, very high on him. Um, I, I really loved Vince Williams. I had him top 20 to get him at 47. I thought it was great. Um, and I think what I, what I like most about their draft is sort of the, the uh, process behind it. I think they've identified that maybe the, 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 the biggest upside of this team would be if you could play Jaron Jackson Jr. at the five to close games. Um, and the best thing to do to get around that is to get, um, funky kind of forwards who can play help D and shoot. Well, I think all three of those guys can shoot. I think two of them are help D gods. David Roddy's a little different. He's more of a ball handler passer type than, than LaRavia or Vince Williams Jr. Though Vince Williams, I love, I love everyone's passing. I love all their passing. Um, but David Roddy's more, has, is more comfortable with the ball in his hands. I would say than the other two, uh, at, at a higher volume of touches, but, um, three guys who could all maybe fill that niche and they could also all do different things if they need to, like, like there's no reason you couldn't play two of them together. I don't think this is like drafting two lob threats in the same draft, right? Like two rim runners in the same draft where it's like, well, we only have minutes for one of them. So they're going to fight it out in practice. And that's the only one who gets to develop. You could play Roddy at the three next to LaRavia, or you can play Vince Williams and LaRavia next to each other and just kind of figure it out. Just mess around with it. I think you increase the overall feel. You got someone that you got at least one player, at least one of these guys is going to hit at a super valuable position. If not, I mean, if you get three guys at a super valuable position, you just continue to add to your riches so I really liked their draft. We didn't quite put them in the winners because it's five, five, and five this way. If we're being honest, that's why we did it. Um, but I, I, I think it's an interesting contrast with the Thunder, who I feel like are drafting a lot of guys kind of on top of each other, and it feels like they're kind of suffocating their young talent without a ton of room to play, room to grow. I feel like the Grizzlies have done a better job at identifying different players who do different things. You know, they moved on from De'Anthony Melton in this draft, which I think we all like De'Anthony Melton. I think it was a fine move to move on from him. He was kind of getting squeezed out of the rotation anyways. You have Jaws, your central point guard. 
it's tough to play jaw with someone who can't shoot at the wing. Um, it, it kind of hurts his game in general, you know, but now you got Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, at kind of the two, three, you got this trio to play the, the four or the three. Sire Williams is still here who can play the three or the four. You got Jared Jackson for the five. You got a lot of versatility positionally throughout this roster aside from jaw, who's your central superstar, you don't need him to be positionally versatile because you're asking him to do so much anyway. So really like their overall philosophy here. Coop, how did you feel about the Grizzlies draft? I mean, the the Laravia pick, he's someone who we doted on the entirety of the of the pre-draft uh, process, basically. Uh, just fits with every team. Super awesome connecting four. Um, you know, I really like his fit, like you talked about, next to Jaron. And then someone like Vince, who's more of a wing, less of a forward uh maybe a, a bit more aggressive offensively and, and less of a connector, more of a play finisher kind of guy. Uh, and then Roddy, who I think this is probably one of the teams that I like his fit for the best, because the thing that you're unsure about with Roddy is his translation and positional fit. And uh, just going to a team that, like you talked about, has so many different player types and player builds and you know, so many just random funky lineups that they can play around with. And, oh, let's see if Roddy works, if we play him as a point power forward. Or let's see if Roddy works best point guard next to a bunch of wings. And, you know, Memphis has the ability to play around with lineups like basically no other team in the league can because they just have, uh, you know, an embarrassment of riches uh, at every single position. Uh, and they just made that even crazier. Uh, and it... I think this was a great draft because they can, you know, throw any of these guys into, uh, you know, into a trade to condense or they can trade other guys. And then these guys can move up in the rotation. Uh, just great variety at, at great positions, great skill sets, really high field players. Uh, it's just kind of weird. It's, it's probably my favorite of the, the five drafts in the conflicted because none of them I think are like, Oh, they got a major steal value wise. They're just all really good. Uh, and for a team like Memphis, that's, you know, that's really what you're aiming to do is just get more good players and roll with the punches from there. Yeah. I think this was a pretty solid draft for Memphis. Um, I mean, LaRavia, I still like LaRavia a lot. And I think that he was a good pick um, even at 19, but I just in like, a vacuum trading 22 and 29 to move up three spots seemed like a little bit much for me. Um, but again, if it's the guy that you really want, it makes sense, I suppose. Um, I also was not a huge fan of trading away Melton. Um, I get that it's sort of a clunky fit, but uh, I just think that uh, trying to save money and downgrading from Melton to Roddy, which even though I like Roddy, to me, Melton is a really good player and it's sort of a substantial um, downgrade. I, I think that, I don't know, I just don't love that move for them. Um, but I did really like Vince Williams as well as a pick. So I am a little bit conflicted with them. Um, I think that, you know, some the moves sort of make sense and then some of them don't. <laughs> um, the coaching staff never really seemed to value Melton all that much. So I guess moving him away makes a bit more sense when you put that into perspective. But uh, yeah, I think LaRavia is probably like the best bet of these guys to really be a contributor for them um, as evidenced by him being picked the highest, I guess. But um, I think there's, there's room for Roddy and Vince will to, to make an impact. There's just so many guys again on this roster that um, figuring out where that's going to come from is sort of difficult. Uh, and I still, really like Zayer Williams. I think that he's, I probably like him more than anyone they picked in this class. And, um, but having him in Ravia as your backup guys, uh, it's just a really awesome uh, young second unit to develop into. So I, I get some of what they were doing. Uh, I just don't love the execution of it. Yeah, uh, I think that's, I think that's more than fair. Um, two drafts I wanted to kind of compare and contrast were the San Antonio Spurs and the Houston Rockets, two teams that made three first-round picks that are seem to be firmly in the tank for Wemby mode. Uh, at least one of them is hard pivoting into that. The Spurs took Jeremy Sohan at nine. Uh, 
uh, Malachi Branham at 20, Blake Leslie at 25. The Rockets took Jabari Smith at three, Tari Eason at 17, and Ty Ty Washington at 29. I think both these are interesting because, I mean, they both kind of did, one team did two guards and a forward. The other team did two forwards and a guard. Uh, it's not only just three first round picks, but they're all sort of, they're kind of in a similar place. And I also think they're interesting because they're sort of almost starkly opposed roster wise. I feel like with the, with the Spurs young roster, it feels like they have a lot of kind of build around pieces, but nothing, or they have a lot of pieces that fit around like a star, but no real even bet at that star guys like Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, all guys who could fit very nicely around a, a, a superstar prospect. And the Rockets have that superstar prospect in June Green, but the surrounding talent is sort of less, lesser, I would say. I, I, I would much prefer the Spurs surrounding talent. If you could transport Jalen Green onto the Spurs or transport the Spurs surrounding cast to Jalen Green on the Rockets, you'd maybe be talking about something, but both teams are kind of trying to fill that the different voids. So I, I guess the question is, you know, like who, who did that better? Who's drafted you like Coop? I know you're a Rockets fan. How'd you kind of feel about these two drafts in general? And, and what do you think about where each of these teams are going? Uh, well, I'll start uh, with the Rockets uh, just to get them out of the way. But uh, I am complete. I'm, I just feel fine with the Jabari Smith pick. Uh, I had him at six. Um, there was no way they were going to take my third overall guy, AJ, AJ Griffin. I still would have preferred Jaden Ivey, uh, just the better to star around uh, Jalen Green. But Jabari Smith is fine. He's 6'11", or at this point, he's humongous and can defend and shoot. Uh, I don't think that he's a star bet, but I mean, you're, you're trying to build a team around that star level prospect and I, I think Jabari will be able to do that. Uh, coming away with, with Tari Eason, though, at 17, uh, you, you guys know I, I went uh, kind of ballistic when that happened. Uh, Tari was probably my favorite prospect in this entire draft, uh, at least to watch. But I, I, I had him at, at four on my board, someone who I think could be game-changing on both ends, uh, a monster on the defensive end specifically, mega-athlete. Uh, just someone who I don't really think that you can miss on. Uh, the Tai Tai Washington pick, not as high on, but I'm not as catastrophically down on it as, as I was at the, at the time it happened. Process is kind of weird, but, you know, just somebody who can kind of shoot and be a secondary creator. And I think that his rim pressure looks better in NBA spacing, even though he's still way too, at least so far, I'm not trying to say anything concrete, but, uh, you know, just still someone who's too content to shoot floaters and long twos, and it, it bugs the hell out of me. I think the process is something that could be like catastrophically bad, or it could be something good. It just depends on how the team looks during the season. Uh, because Jabari and Tari, if you drafted those two to put around Shengun to make him playable as like a starter, then that process is awful uh, because you don't even, like Shengun to me showed nothing that even tells me that this guy's a surefire NBA player. Uh, and if you're trying to build around someone who's not an NBA that you don't even know if he's a surefire NBA player, that's, that's bad process. But uh, you know, if it's just, Let's go after good defenders. Let's try and build a good defense around someone like Jalen Green. Or, you know, the best way for young teams to move forward is to start with the defense, then get to the offense and uh, try from there. I think that's good process. And just it was an interesting draft, but one that I don't think you can grade until the season starts and we see what the coaching staff's plan for them is. And then the Spurs, I'm kind of I like, like you paired them for a reason. I like Sohan at nine. I like him as someone who can play the small five or the four uh, just add to probably my favorite young defensive core in the entire league, especially with next to Blake Wesley as well, who was uh, another lotto guy for me uh, can really play at the point of attack. He's hopefully there'll be some more minutes for him there with, uh, with DeJounte gone uh, someone who can really, you know, is it just a bet at a primary or can also be a secondary uh, lots of versatility from those two picks. And then 
got somebody who had like quite a bit less in, in Malachi Branham at 20, uh, but someone who can maybe be a connector guard who can also kind of shoot. Uh, the defense is, is very suspicious and uh, he just feels very, very similar to Josh Primo, you know, the exact same guy that they took last year and they put a ton of resources in, uh, into, I'm just, and him and, uh, him and Blake just feel very weird together. I don't know how that works, even though I think Wesley is more of a primary and Branham's more of a secondary. It doesn't, Branham doesn't move off ball. Uh, he needs, he looked awful whenever he wasn't able to run pick and rolls and just asked to be a spot up. And he's not going to be getting those reps on this team with being behind Primo and, and, uh, and Wesley. And it's just going to be weird. It'll be fun to watch, especially on the defensive end, but uh, just unsure of how all these guys fit together. And I don't know other than Wesley, if they got a bet at that star that you were talking about that they need. Yeah, I think for the Rockets, um, I mean, I liked the processing of a lot of their moves in the draft. Uh, I think just filling the roster with forwards um, that are really solid or a good to great defensively makes a lot of sense when you are when your stars are um, not very defensive minded. Um, and you have Tari and I think Jabari. Um, it's still a really, really good defender as well. Um, so both those guys filling in some holes in your roster. Um, I, I think Jabari still was the right pick at three. Um, even though I had him a little lower, um, I think that for the Rockets specifically, three makes a lot of sense for them um, because it was never going to be A.J. Griffin, even though I had him at three on my board. Um so out of the realistic possibilities, I felt I felt that was a good choice. Uh, Ty Ty, um, I think, makes some sense with this team too, um, as a second side uh, sort of creator, a guy who uh, can attack closeouts, run baselines, pass out of them very well, um, has that floater game. There's just a lot of things offensively he brings to the team. Um, and despite what the haters like Cooper say, I think he's still a good defender, um, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, we'll see how it pans out, but I think ultimately they're they're starting to get into the um the place too where they need to to start looking at some consolidation deals. They have a lot of young talent on that team. Um and I think eventually you're gonna not be able to pay all of them. So um we'll see how it shakes out. But I think overall in the, their draft night, uh they came away, in my opinion, fairly solid. Um as for the Spurs, uh, I obviously love the Sohan pick. I thought that he was a really good prospect. And um, with the Spurs specifically, I feel like it, it just fits and makes a lot of sense for a team that is um, completely lacks any sort of forwards, um, even though they've tried to shoehorn Keldon Johnson into a, a bigger role than what he is or try to play him bigger than what he is. Um, I think that Wesley, I really liked Wesley um, as a prospect. So as a value perspective at 25, it, I really like that. And Branham at 20, um, I mean, I had him at 25 on my board, so it wasn't that far off. But drafting two guards just when you team is basically all full of <laughs> these 6'4 to 6'6 six, six guys just is really odd to me. Um, I, you kind of go down the roster and there's just so many of these guys and even though I like a lot of them, there's you, you're just not going to be able to play the minutes that they all deserve and sort of need to get the reps. Um, so I don't love that aspect of it. Uh, when you have Vassell now, Primo, uh, Trey Jones played really well for them last year in this backup role. There's just so many guards um, that I think they're going to have to sort of figure out uh, how to use them all because um, there's – a lot of them are deserving of like 20 plus minutes a night. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, but overall, like, I think that the picks were fine, um, especially the Sohan pick I like, but uh, I, I just think there's better positional fits that could have been had at 20 and 25 for them. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had one more group in the or team in this group, the Denver Nuggets. They drafted Christian Brown at 21, Peyton Watson at 30. I mostly put them here because Peyton Watson was maybe my personal favorite pick of the draft, even if it wasn't the best value-wise or anything. I think Peyton Watson's really good. I think he's gonna be really good. I think the the he's a perfect marriage with Denver because he helps fill what they need, and it's also good for him to be playing on an established team. I think that like like He's not someone who needs to, I don't think, be thrown into the fire and given creation reps. I actually think it's better for him to develop on a good team where it's like, hey, we need you to make these defensive rotations well, and we need you to hit your spot-up shots, and we'll go from there. <clears throat> that's kind of I, I, that, that's kind of where I'm at, and I like that pick. Christian Brown, give or take for me, I, I don't love him at all. I thought at 21, Marjon Bochamp would have been a, a league's better pick um but brown is is probably okay he might be a you know a solid kind of rotation wing um but i think there's a while to go before he's a real starter and i don't think there's much upside there uh did you guys have any thoughts on, on the nuggets before we move on christian brown man peyton watson good couldn't have said it better myself and summer league seems to be backing us up there uh, because uh, Peyton Watson's been good and Christian Brown has been real bad in Summer League. Not that I take that much for Summer League. Plenty of players play bad in Summer League. Remember all the questions people had about Franz Wagner and Evan Mobley because they had kind of questionable Summer Leagues, and then those two were, like, probably pound for pound the two best rookies, like, uh, you know, per minute type stuff. Uh, though, of course, Scotty Barnes ended up winning Rookie of the year for some odd reason. Um, but anyways, uh, moving on to kind of our selections for losers. Uh, we'll go through these guys quick because I don't feel like being negative for, for long. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets, of course, um, trade away Jalen Duran for like a 2025 Milwaukee first round pick and basically not much else. And then drafted Mark Williams, who I had in my 50s, I think. Um, and then the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, they took um they took Ochai Baji at 14 when there were quite a few guys we really liked still on the board they also took Khalifa Diop or Jop I can't remember how to say it at 49 and then they took Isaiah Mobley at or maybe they took a they took Isaiah Mobley too I can't remember exactly where uh they took Diop at 39 and then they took Mobley at 49 excuse me so that's kind of what they left with Sacramento Kings of course, the big thing that people are going to point to them and say they're a loser for is they dropped to Keegan Murray over Jane and Ivy. Uh, uh, that, so they took Keon Keegan on a two way, but yeah, uh, they got they also got Keon Ellis on a two way, who some people were high on. I was not very big on Keon Ellis, but maybe that works out. Um, but I think that that just just the general process, I think not even necessarily the players involved, but the general process of taking Keegan over Ivy, I think is what rubs a lot of people the wrong way, including us. Uh, the New York Knicks didn't make a pick. They had the 11th pick um, and then traded it for some future capital and, and salary relief that helped them get Jalen Brunson and potentially Donovan Mitchell. Um, we're not NBA analysts, so I won't spend too much time on it, but I don't think any of us would be particularly high on a Knicks team led by Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell. Um, and then the LA Lakers, who traded into the draft, got Stone's hopes all the way up, and then drafted Max Christie and sent him crashing to the floor. Um, I'll just kind of throw this to you guys, which, you know, if you guys want to pick a team or two out of that group, who stands out as, as someone you want to talk about? Uh, Coop, I'll throw this to you. I do just want to give the positive case for the Kings, um, <clears throat> because even though I am, I'm, I'm low on it, uh, because, but because of everything, because they took Keegan over Ivy at that one fact, but you know, if you're the Kings and you haven't been to the playoffs in 20 years, right? How, how long has it been? It's been about as long as I've been alive, whatever. Uh, you know, you can say, you know, we can say, I'll oh, draft this guy all you want, blah, blah, blah. But if you have the chance to get someone like Keegan, who you can put next to Sabonis and is maybe the perfect fit next to Sabonis. And I mean, like, maybe actually perfect not not a better fit in the league uh like 21 years old perfect team defender can cover up for a lot of uh, Sabonis's defensive limitations as a, as a weak side guy uh can create off of 
closeouts created by him and De'Aaron, um, you know, can really shoot the ball. I know that we're not the biggest Keegan guys, but he's just the definition of solid. Um, and I think if you just look at it as, well, the Kings came out of this draft with someone who fits perfectly with their team now and for the future, uh, I don't hate it. Uh, you talk about them using the fourth pick on that guy, and that's where it gets really bad. But I, I think just ending up with your guy who, who really fits and, and helps your team, I don't think it's world-ending. I, I don't think it's the worst thing that happened in the draft. It's just bad asset management. Um, and then, I mean, the other team that just kind of sucked it up is Charlotte trading away the, you know, having Duran in your hands and trading him away for nothing uh, is, is probably, and I think that's actually inexcusable, especially for Mark Williams, who I had at, he ended for me at 62. Uh, just someone who I don't think is really a game changer in any of the same ways that Duran is or has the potential to be. Uh, and it just sucks. It, it just like, it, it is, I, I don't want to put too much into summer league, but uh, Duran has destroyed summer league and Mark Williams has done nothing and struggled to finish anything. He can't even like get to the rim on a roll. It's, it's been really bad. Not just like a, Oh, his finishing numbers, just the, the process for him has been awful. Um, and that's like the only thing that I try to take away from summer league is process, not results. Uh, but it, it's been bad. And I don't know. Hopefully it's not as bad because I don't wish ill on the Hornets, but just an awful, awful result from them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll start with the Lakers. Um, sucky pick. Uh, there's so many other better routes you could have gone. Um, and yeah, not, not a fan of this pick at all. And um, it's summer league. So it probably means absolutely nothing, but, so far, he's looked every bit as bad as I thought he'd be. Um, the Knicks, uh, I just don't really get it. Like, I think that you had a player that could have you could have added to your young core um, that could have been really good. Um, maybe you could have gotten uh, Jalen Duran and you know not had to pay Mitch as much. There, there's just a lot of options and routes that could have gone there. Uh, that I think they just sort of blew away and um, just didn't love that processing from them. Uh, as for the Kings, uh, I really hated picking Keegan Murray, um, and I actually really like Keegan Murray as a prospect. Um, I think he's going to be a really good player, but when you're at four and Jaden Ivey is right there and how highly he seemed to be valued across the league, um, seems like the Pistons love Jaden Ivey. If you would have taken him at number four, I'm sure they would have traded up for him and he probably could, still could have gotten your guy Keegan at five. Uh, I just think that there's um, more they could have done to get more out of that pick. Even if Keegan is your guy, um, like whatever, take your guy. But there's, there's teams that are right behind you that would have loved to have gotten Jaden Ivey. And I think that you could have gotten more out of that rather than just take Keegan. So I, I just hate the processing behind it. Um, the Cavs, yeah. Agbaji, not a fan really um, of that pick at all. Uh, I think there's better guys, even in that sort of wing mold that do more for that team and where they're at. Um, but we'll see how it pans out. Hopefully he pans out and, and proves me wrong. Um, and as for the Hornets, yeah, uh, just absolutely terrible processing to have someone that I think is so much more better as a prospect in Duran in comparison to Mark Williams um, and instead settle for the worst the, the worst of the two centers in um, Mark Williams and, and trade away the much younger and much more upside uh, Jalen Duran makes absolutely no sense to me um, you know hopefully again he proves me wrong and and has a really successful career in Charlotte, but um, I just think that was an absolutely terrible display of processing from a team that really needs to take these sort of more home run picks. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't I don't understand that pick at all. 
Yeah, uh, I'll go quick on the Cavs. Um, I just don't like the Ochai Baji pick straight up. I had him, I think, undraftable. I think he, I like my late 50s, which in this class was not a draftable player. Um, take him at 14 over AJ Griffin. It's just too bad. Like, like I think I'm, I'm even lower on the Cavs draft because I specifically, they were a team I wanted to nail it so bad because I love what they're doing. I love Darius Garland, love Evan Mobley. I'm like, just take, you know, take a real three. Some of the guys who are on the board there who I would have loved, as I mentioned, AJ Griffin, Tar Eason was there, Jake LaRavia, Marjon Bochamp, Blake Wesley. Blake Wesley was the guy I really wanted there. Obviously, now it seems like 25. He fell at 25, so maybe that wouldn't have been a great, like that wouldn't have been a value pick. I don't know, but there's just so many picks that I would have preferred to Ochai, and I think we're all on the same page there. So that, that kind of wraps it up. Um, we had a blast covering that draft for you 2022 was a huge draft for us we basically tripled our average viewer list or our average listenership our our subscriber count and all that type of stuff so means the world we got a sponsorship which is so crazy to us um hopefully we just continue to grow and you guys continue to enjoy the content i know that that it feels like the draft space as a whole has just grown and there's a lot of places to go for for content like that so i hope uh, we do bring a unique perspective. Um, I kind of want to give you guys just a bit of an update on where we're going to be going. Uh, we might, I, this the summer schedule or, or off season, however you want to put it, is going to be a little inconsistent. We don't have any set pods yet. At some point, we're going to talk about FIBA U17s. At some point, um, I'm go, we're going to maybe do some pass scouts. At some point, we will start looking towards next year's draft, doing previews with um with guests where we talk about specific conferences or leagues, talk about the NBL, I'm sure again, uh, all that type of stuff. There's a lot of stuff we still have uh, coming, but, but the release schedule is going to be a bit erratic. Um, And and, and it might even be, you know, it might be a two week break, three week break uh, throughout the time. Uh, Something I want, you know, what we're really excited about is I think we're going to start a YouTube and we're going to start doing uh, some quick video breakdowns, some live watching where I want to go through and, and Coop and Stone uh, will probably do this as well. And just cl- we'll clip a couple possessions and we'll go, we'll watch a single possession six, seven times and try and get as much out of it as possible. Kind of give you guys a view into what we are looking at. These aren't going to, I don't think, at least at first, going to be like full scouting report videos or anything. It's going to be much more maybe interactive. Maybe I, I'm still kind of playing with what it's going to look like. Uh, and then, of course, the TikTok, we kind of, uh, I don't want to say took a break. We kind of got too busy to be super active on that. But expect the TikTok to be up and running again with uh, videos and, and, and all that type of stuff. So there's some exciting stuff coming from upside swings beyond the podcast the podcast is still uh going to be running strong and then i mean next season we're right back at it we will be uh probably more involved than ever uh i would say because next year's draft is so fascinating with the top prospects playing really all over i mean my my top four prospects aren't going to play in the ncaa next year uh they are scattered to the wind um and it's kind of i'm i'm fascinated to see how it goes um so yeah let's I, I, i'm very excited before we get out of here Cooperstone did go to summer league uh and i just kind of wanted to hear their experiences what they thought uh stone i'll throw this to you first how was summer league my friend it was a blast um it was just basketball overload uh for six days straight basically um from you know like 10 hours of basketball a day basically of watching basketball with people that are really cool that um, obviously we've met through twitter and through the podcast and it was cool to meet other people as well um just an awesome experience overall uh definitely burnt out by like day four so next year that's something we'll we'll take into consideration but uh i think that overall was just you know one of the my favorite experiences i've ever had um, the basketball, uh, wasn't great, but there is a lot of fun highlights within it. Um, and yeah, I, I think that there's just so much basketball and so much fun to be had that, um, I'm still recovering two days after coming home. So, uh, 
I, I would highly recommend anyone that's ever like considered it or been on the fence about going, um, just do it, take the plunge. It's a ton of fun. And uh, I think if you're a fan of basketball, you'll, you'll absolutely love summer league. Yeah. We met a lot of awesome people. Uh, but I mean, my favorite part was I got to hang out with stone for six days. Uh, I've never, you know, we, we had never met in person. Uh, but I mean, we literally, I, I think by the end of it, we were certifiably insane. I think we, 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 uh, we but it was, it was so much fun. Uh, we met up with a ton of people that were just so, so cool. And that, you know, we never met before uh, in person. And I just, you know, these people that you, like I, I interact with on a daily or every other day, or, you know, just depends on the week, but basis. Uh, you know, meeting up with them, getting to watch games with them and talk over stuff and process and like bumping into people that you don't really know. And then just talking about basketball and uh, got to meet Corbin in person. That was one of the coolest things ever. Corbin is one of the nicest people on the planet and is in person too. He is the exact same way in person as he is online. Uh, and then uh, Stone and I's new new friend, uh, GM Understudy. Uh, you should follow him on Twitter. He hung out with us a bunch. Uh, one of the smartest dudes out there. We had a great time hanging out with him. Um, but I mean, just getting to watch these guys that we scouted all year and uh, Stone getting, Stone recognizing every single player's family and saying, oh, look, it's it's uh, it's Greg Brown, the third, second cousin once removed sitting there in the stands. And, you know, it, it was a great experience. Uh, nothing like it. It was, it was a ton of fun. Hopefully we can get Bryce to go with us next year. So. Yeah. I will say too, like shout out to all the, the players and just pe big people that are in basketball, like interacting with them was really cool. Like I got to fist bump Shams and talked with Malinka, Malika for a little bit, like, there's just a ton of like cool basketball people that are there that you bump into. And it's really cool to just see them in person. Cause you're just used to seeing them on a screen all the time. I mean, yeah. Um, Shams is the, the ultimate double threat. Yeah. Model yeah. Shams, absolute model in real life. Um, is Shams tall? I, no, he's almost my height actually. But he's like um, perfectly proportioned. It's, it's yeah. incredible. The dude, the dude is, is <laughs> he's got the perfect fade. Anyway, we'll do another episode on that. Um, it was also really cool. Just some really all handsome teams. <laughs> yeah, Shams is definitely MVP. Um, and it was cool to be in like the stands with like the players' family and stuff. Like just hearing them cheer for who they're there. Oh my supporting. god! Wait, wait. Stone. Um, so you here, ended up missing this game real quick. Sorry, I have to, uh, I have to no bust in with this. Uh, but at the the Grizzlies Nets game, uh, so we sat between Cam Thomas, his family. And I think it was David Roddy's mom. Okay. It was David Roddy or Kenny Lofton's mom. And whoever's, I will just call her David Roddy's mom. She was bonkers. Okay. Every single time a call went against the Grizzlies, she'd go, that's fucking bullshit. She'd say, just call people bitch the entire time. Uh, and then Cam Thomas dropped like 30 something in that game. His family was going nuts. And there was this one period where, David Roddy's mom and Cam Thomas's like sister or girlfriend or something are basically screaming at each other like passive aggressively and I'm like worried that they're about to like fight and go at it because there's cheering yeah Cam go Cam and, the, and David Roddy's mom is like oh look at the fucking scoreboard I can't believe the refs are fucking doing this Cam Thomas you're down by 30 and it was it was insanity to be like put between it, it felt like an AAU atmosphere at summer league and it's like who cares that much about this game that you're just like I I was like I actually felt like I was, I, I was scared for my life but uh nothing ended up happening I think this was after Stone left but uh yeah. And we all know how much you love conflict. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That, I mean, that was really cool. There's just a bunch of like family members and stuff and even players that you'd see just like sitting in the stands, not all of them sit courtside. Um, so it was, it was just really cool to bump into all these different people and, and, you know, get a couple autographs and fist bumps here and there and, and chat with them here and there. So overall, just an awesome experience and would highly recommend for anybody that wants to ever has ever thought about going. 
Yeah, uh, that's fun to hear about. And I can't wait to hear stories of that for the next uh, little bit on the pod. Um, all right, I think that's all we got. Again, uh, expect our next pod is going to be, it might just be Coop and I uh, breaking down FIBA stuff, but don't like hold wait on bated breath for that because uh, you'll suffocate. I don't know when that's going to be out. Uh, we're both taking our time. We're all taking our time. We uh, either we're all basketballed out or I mean, I have, I'm doing a ton of other basketball stuff that's not the pod right now. So I kind of have to re I, I kind of have to chisel out time for this and, and all that. And uh, you know, entering senior year of college, it's always uh always sort of a it's it's kind of a nerve-wracking summer. But anyways, uh enough upside therapy. Uh, this has been great, guys. Uh me it, it, it means the world to be back recording with you guys. So uh, much love. Uh this has been the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast. For Coop at Ali underscore Oop underscore Coop for Stone out Court underscore Court. I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14. Give us a like, rating, review, all that fun stuff. Tell your friends about us. Um, we hope we are seeing. Thank you. We once again like to thank our sponsors at GlobalShopSolution.com. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Thank you.